Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. Dustin Hawkinsmith here and got a special guest on the phone line. So no YouTube as much as you might want to show off his freshly trimmed beard. But Ross Tucker joins us now to talk about some Penn State, um, some Reading oriented topics, I think would be uh, in play is a good way to put it. Speaking about Taylor Swift, perhaps. But Ross, uh, first things first. I just want to offer you congratulations on the role expansion you've seen this year on national broadcasts on CBS for uh, for the NFL and for NCAA football. Uh, I know you're getting what you're earned and you're earning uh, what you've put into it so far. So congrats on, on uh, the new gigs. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for having me, first of all. Second of all, I really appreciate that, especially coming from you, someone I've known, I don't know, 10 years now it's been long a long time, time yeah. since we've known each other yeah and uh it's really exciting man i mean i i i uh, think i'm scheduled at least to do four nfl games and five big 10 sec games so yeah uh, i did uh Ole miss alabama already um i um i have a couple big 10 games later in the season so you never know. Maybe uh, maybe it'd even be a Penn State. They don't pick those, I don't think, until like there's a couple weeks in advance or so. So I don't know them okay. for sure. But it's been great, man. It's been really fun. And, you know, I just I, I love it. I love what I do. I love calling games especially. And I'm excited that more people sort of get to hear my my passion and enthusiasm for this great game. Well, that's awesome, man. And I know um... – how surreal would that be to call a Penn State game if that if that one falls onto your plate? Yeah, I think that'd be awesome, right? That that would really really be cool. I mean, honestly though, these are all cool. I mean, next week, Georgia, um, you know, to be at Alabama, you know, for Ole Miss Alabama, I think there was over five million people watching and a hundred thousand people in the stadium. But certainly, you know, with my upbringing and growing up with season tickets and everything doing a Penn state game would really be cool. So this, this Penn state team, I, I love college football for this because it's almost like the better your program is the harsher, the critic you are of your program. Um, Penn state's five and zero. Oh. Uh, I know you've had conflicting games. So you can't watch every snap or anything like that, but they're five and zero. Oh. Uh, they've scored 30 plus points in all those games but they haven't created a lot of big plays or a lot of explosions. So the, really the topic right now in Penn state fan land is can you create explosive plays uh, instead of this ball control offense, they have a huge time of possession figure and it plays into the strength of the defense. But I just wonder, can you speak to that dynamic, whether that's like Penn state specific or just in general about whether that formula of going you know, 12 plays, 54 yards for, for touchdowns, uh, if that's viable against the powerhouse type teams. Well, it is, it's just harder, right? I mean, because you have one penalty or one sack and negative yardage play or whatever, and it makes that really difficult. You know, I, I can tell you whether it's college or the NFL, Dustin, that, one of the primary statistics that these guys look at that makes a difference in the outcome of games is explosive plays. I mean, that's a heavy, heavy emphasis in at both levels of play, NFL and college football, how many explosive plays. And 
different people categorize it differently, whether it's a, a pass over 15 yards and a run over 10, or sometimes it'll be a run over 15, pass over 20. Different people categorize explosive plays differently, but man, the two most important stats in terms of the outcome of games are turnovers and explosive plays, which by the way, is why in the NFL, you actually see more and more defenses with two deep safeties. And sometimes you'll say, man, they're getting run all over. They're letting them get run over. They can't stop the run. Well, they're not really trying to stop the run that much. They're really trying to stop the explosive plays with the idea that, okay, you can run for some yardage, but eventually you'll fail to convert a third down or eventually you'll bog down in the red zone. So that's kind of the, the dilemma that these teams go through. I will say for Penn State, you know, it's interesting. I don't think that they have, you know, the dynamic receivers to get yeah. a lot of big plays in the passing game that way. But I do think they've got a couple of really high-level tight ends. And I think yep. they could get some explosive plays in the passing game with those guys going down the seam. Because I think Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are both NFL players. Um, the other thing that's interesting I think the offensive line's playing pretty well, probably similar to last year, even though they've had the injuries and, and they've worked through some things. But it, it's interesting that Singleton hasn't broken one yet. It felt like mm-hmm. last year doesn't – it kind of felt like he almost broke one a game or one every other game. So I don't yeah. know if you look at that as a fan and say, well, the bad news is he's not breaking them, or maybe the good news is – He's due, <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna break one soon, and maybe that happens in one of these big games. Yeah, it's it's a really confusing thing to me, uh, the fact that that Singleton hasn't broken one yet. And there was I don't even remember the the games and the plays kind of blur together, but he broke a 16 yard run for a touchdown, and you could just see like an explosion of like, I, I don't know of like frustration leaving his body the way it wasn't just a celebration. So I think there probably is some frustration there um, because it, and I went into the season with the assumption that he could break one, not at will, but like you said, once a game, somebody's going to, you know, break containment or something. He's all he needs is a seam. So it's, it's crazy that it hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I'm curious after they come out of the bye week you know, what, what you can adjust and how you can, work on that. Cause I think people were taking that to the bank. Um, the other, I don't know if you've seen a ton of Drew Aller uh, yet, but uh, obviously there's a lot of talent there. And I think if you've seen him throw the ball six or seven times, that's probably enough to assess uh, the, the real talent level. He has. What do you see from him as far as projectability and where he is now? I, I think he's really good. And I'm, I'm very excited for him and for Penn State. You know, to be a true sophomore, really starting for the first time, none of these games or moments have looked too big for him. Now, they haven't played Ohio State or Michigan yet, and we'll see what those are like. But, you know, West Virginia is a good team. And yeah. uh, was not a bad team. And those have been big spots for him. And he's made a bunch of good throws. I think for the most part, he's made good decisions. He's accurate. He makes some throws, Dustin, that are like NFL, high-level NFL caliber throws. I mean, he is very, very impressive 
with the velocity he can put on the ball and some of his his ball placement. That was a huge get for Penn State to get him because he's 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 a lot more physically talented probably than anybody they've had, you know, maybe since Hackenberg. And, and even Hackenberg, I, you know, obviously had his own issues. But I think Aller actually moves better yeah. than Hackenberg ever did. I mean, he's – I mean, and I, I met him for the first time this summer – and I know you've been around him. I mean, for the Penn State fans listening that haven't met, I mean, he is a big young man. He's 19 years old, and he's all of 6'5", 245. Yep. He, he is a, a, a uh, naturally big guy. And I think, you know, the thing that has been interesting about him is that, you know, off-platform is, is something that he can do, and that's something he was known for coming in. But that that is a real differentiator, I think. And you saw it right off the bat against West Virginia where he made a lot of things happen, you know, doing that patented Drew Aller charge, stepping up in the pocket uh, towards the line of scrimmage and then rolling to his right as well. And I wonder coming out of West Virginia, um, would teams try to take away that roll to the right? Cause he's hard to stop when things break down and guys are, are running all over the place. But I, I think he's got a, a, an arm to make big plays happen. But like you said, there are concerns about the talent level at, at wide receiver um, as well. You mentioned, um, you know, keys in, in modern football, big plays, one of them. You mentioned turnovers, too. And I don't think you can talk about this Penn State season without the flip side of it. So, okay, you don't generate big plays, but the Penn State defense has been absolutely phenomenal, especially in the takeaway department. Um, I think, Ross, and I, I don't know if I can count the number, but there is at least a half a dozen guys, I think, on this starting defense that are probably – in that third round or better conversation for the NFL. Like this is a really talented defense. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I, you have to tell me, I, I can't remember the last time Penn State had a defense this good. I, I mean, I don't know are, either. Yeah. Chop Robinson is a high, high level player. So is Kalen King. Um, you know, Carter and, uh, um, Curtis Jacobs are both really good players. I mean, I, I've just been really, really impressed. And I think Manny Diaz does a fantastic job. I, I hope Penn State fans enjoy this year because yeah. I'm quite sure Manny Diaz is going to have some opportunities at the end of this year if things keep going this way. Yeah. Yeah, it's – um, and I think this is always like the – the great thing for defensive coaches, like I think a lot of times, you know, it's an offensive oriented hire. A lot of times it's, it's easier to project. It's, it's easier to sell to fans and all that. But I think with Manny Diaz, like obviously he had that head coaching experience and there was volatility or whatever with that. Uh, he's been fantastic. He's inherited a good bit of talent at Penn state, but I think that the thing that makes him, you know, I I've heard from, from people that, you know, he does have a, a good, like head coach charisma about him when he speaks to players and things, uh, but also the creativity of how you use these guys. Like I really enjoy third and seven, third and eight and seeing all these guys standing up at the line of scrimmage, like as an offensive lineman, let me ask you about that part of it. If you've got eight dudes hovering above you and you know, there's hijinks going on. How do you even begin to uh, communicate and, and feel out what exactly is coming at you? Really, really difficult. I can remember when I was in Buffalo, Dustin uh, Belichick was the first one to do that. 
when there was nobody in a three-point stance and all the guys for the Patriots were walking back and forth, walking sideways. They knew where they were going to end up, but they didn't line up there. And I think I remember our center, Trey Teague, saying, uh, uh, just block somebody because, <laughs> because there was no real good thing. And so um, I, I appreciate, especially at the college level, if, if it's third and long enough where you don't need to really be worried about the run, really get those guys thinking so they're thinking about their blocks more than actually just being able to, to, to think about their technique. Yeah. And then the other part of that is he's done a really good job of putting guys like a, like a Chop Robinson over a center or a guard. I mean, Chop Robinson is so explosive and has such great lateral agility. I mean, some of those plays against Iowa, he looked like, you know, Miles Garrett, you know, with his ability to cross up and cross the face of the center. He's a really gifted player. That was a uh, that was a gigantic transfer portal get by Penn State to get him a year ago. Huge. Yeah, gi- gigantic. I mean, they've made some really good ones in the portal. <laughs> um, they had the relationship with Chop going back to high school. That helped. Uh, there was talk. It seems ridiculous now. There was talk. He was a, you know, a hybrid linebacker and at, at Maryland. Uh, how is he going to respond to a full defensive end role? Well, he's been just fine there. And then, you know, as you mentioned too, and this is the scary part and something I think you can say it's new that he's shown is as James Franklin said, winning with power uh, and allows them to line him up in the interior. And that's just not, you know, you saw him against, uh, I think, I guess it was Northwestern bending the edge at will. And then you see him running through guards with power. And it's like, that's, you're not, you're not really allowed to have both of those things. Are you? Well, those are the guys that go in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> are, you, you are, you are allowed to have both. And if you do <laughs> have both your, uh, your Micah Parsons or your Miles Garrett or your Bosa's or you're these guys that, you know, because that's really the thing. I mean, if if all you have is power, then the offensive lineman can set to that and be ready for that. If, um, you know, all you have is speed and agility, they can account for that. When you have both, that's when it really becomes difficult for uh, an offensive lineman because he can he can threaten you in both ways and then, his speed to power is really impressive because he gets up the field. You got to kick laterally because you're worried about the speed. Then he puts his foot in the ground and comes right at you with that yeah. power. It's really, it's really something. And, and honestly, you know, I think I'm as impressed Dustin with just, they come at you in waves on the D line. It, it's not just him. You know, Dennis Sutton is good. Uh, Adisa Isaac is good. The interior guys have been good. It, it feels like Robinson's the best and he's like the catalyst, but they got other guys that have spent a lot of time in the backfield too. Yeah. And, and it looks like the last game, Zane Durant, uh, the compact, he is a powerful dude. And you saw him with three tackles for loss. I think that's an exciting development um, for them as well. Um, I wanted to ask you just about one more thing and I hate to pile on and I hate to be part of what many people are calling a problem, you know, in 
as football crosses into pop culture world. But Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, you have an interesting perspective on this, I'm sure, because uh, for anybody who doesn't know, you guys both are from Wyoming. Uh, how would you define like your relationship with Taylor? Because you do know each other a little bit, right? Well, I'm 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 pretty good friends with her dad. Okay. Um, I, I've met I've met Taylor a couple times and talked to her, but yeah, I don't have her number. I you know, I don't <laughs> I don't ever and talk with her or anything like that. But um, I do have a pretty good relationship with her dad. Um, he's an awesome guy. He likes football a lot. Um, but it's funny because um, people ask me about Travis Kelsey or whatever. And like, I, I intentionally would never ask her dad about something like that <laughs> right. because um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me the truth anyway. Right. It's like, right. They, they have to live in such a, a, a such a unique life because yeah. of all the tabloids and stuff that I never put him in that position. Not, not only that, because, you know, I'm friends with him. And so everybody else, you know, is always asking him about his daughter and Taylor. So I, we don't really have that relationship. You know, we really primarily talk about life and football and, that kind of stuff. Now her name comes up sometimes and he'll reference something about her, but you know, it's really, um, that's not really what our relationship's about. Yeah. Um, and so just knowing him over the years, like, you know, there, uh, anything that has to do with Taylor's personal or her whereabouts or anything like that. Um, you know, he just can't, he's not gonna, um, say anything about it but that's not even the right way to describe it doesn't because i would yeah. never ask him about it right right, you know right. I, mean? I, I literally never ask him about it and you think about it like that's the way life is right like if you're really friends with somebody you're not constantly asking them about <laughs> their famous daughter or whatever yeah um, and i don't want to know you know is, is it is it a real relationship Maybe is it, you know, for PR purposes? I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know yeah. any of that stuff. And I don't want to. Here's the way I look at it in all sincerity. Yeah. And I know that I know some people don't like, you know, the attention that she's gotten on some of these broadcasts. Right. So I I think she's a terrific role model um, for my daughters. I love her music. I saw her in concert in may in philly um i love taylor swift and i love football so i'm not going to complain if you combine the two yeah. i mean that's like saying uh you know you like a, a burger and you like cheese and bacon well like what's the problem let's make it a bacon <laughs> cheeseburger let's make it happen oh man problem and honestly doesn't it if nothing else okay yeah if nothing else if taylor is bringing new people yeah, to the sport of football and the NFL, how is that a how is that a bad thing? Right, that's not a bad that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I mean, and everything that's... I do, my, my my podcast, broadcasting games, I want as many people. Look, I adore the sport. You know me, I love it. I yep. want as many people as possible to feel the same way about it as I do. So I'm glad she's bringing new people to the games. I really am. Yeah, and and I, I feel the same way about it. Uh, I don't know how. There's a lot of people who just seem 
like they they're personally wronged by by seeing footage of this. And I, I think if the NFL has to like put out a statement about Taylor Swift, like that is a level of pop culture notoriety that is just kind of unimaginable. And I think that's what comes with this. And uh, with that, I guess people just don't seem to like it or whatever. But um, I talked with you the one time just about the idea of levels of fame. And we're talking about a level of fame that I don't know how many people in history can say they've had the same level as Taylor Swift. Like that is a, you know, you mentioned the the life for the family stuff. That is just to me, like an insane way to live. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just talking about this recently, Dustin. I mean, obviously she's like the most famous person um, in the world right now. But my question is, she feels right now to me to be like as famous as anybody I can ever remember during my lifetime. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I don't ever remember anybody else since I've been alive being at this, this sort of level of fame. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to imagine going through that. And I think what really interests me and I, and I don't really, I, I'm not going to get into like, Oh, are they a couple, whatever. Uh, Travis Kelsey just seems like a guy who's not gonna shrink from that. Like that's a lot, that's a lot of um, attention and different t- kind of attention, but I think Kelsey's got the personality and the, the, the shoulders to carry that. That's that, that's kind of what interests me about it. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. He likes it and wants it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? You know, and I don't know that, but uh, I mean, he's the one that, initiated all this right i mean he's the one that that sort of made this happen and maybe he knew what it would end up being like or maybe he didn't but um (laughs) you know he's the one that has gotten it to this point yeah uh either way i'm i'm not i'm not mad at it i i i uh i'll soak in the attention of all that that's ross tucker we did take a little detour at the end uh just because i felt like i had to go there but Talking a lot about Penn State football, and for somebody who hasn't watched every down, you get a good feel, I think, for for what this team's doing and where they're at. Obviously, UMass uh, coming up uh, this weekend, uh, last real test before Ohio State. And I think what you mentioned with Drew Aller, just final word on this, just uh, sometimes you don't know until you know whether you can respond to that pressure or not. You think you can. You think your quarterback can. Sometimes you got to be in it, right, until till you know for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've obviously watched the West Virginia game and the Iowa game and parts of the others, and Penn State has a really good team. Um, It really feels like, you know, if there was a year for them to to knock off Ohio State and Michigan, that that this would be the year. And I I obviously hope they get it done. That'd be awesome. And one way or the other, those should both be uh, fantastic football games. For sure, for sure. A lot, lot building here, a lot to come. That's Ross Tucker getting his insights on Penn State football. Ross, I appreciate it, man. At, at Ross Tucker NFL uh, on Twitter, uh, CBS broadcast. Are you still doing um, some Eagles pregame as well? Yeah, absolutely. At Ross Tucker NFL, any social media platform. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok even, I think. And then uh, – um, uh, for sure, CBS and Westwood One, and then I do the Eagles pregame show for WIP, their preseason television. So, and then obviously I got all the podcasts, College Draft podcast, where we talk about 
college football. It's fun, man. I mean, yeah, kind of like you, I guess. Forty-four still haven't had to get a real job yet. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It, to to have a hobby as a job is uh, it's a pretty fulfilling thing. I will say that. But uh, to me, if you've missed Ross or you don't know who Ross is and you're a football fan, it, it just seems like that's kind of on you at this point. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. But but you know what? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe they're in state fan and I haven't, they haven't come across me yet, but hopefully they will uh, maybe later in the year. But either way, check me out on social media. If for nothing else, so that you can see what the press box food looks like at all these games yeah. I go to. Yep, I, I I love that you like you and I you and I got together on that Chick Fil A challenge. Uh, a great day to go through the drive through and order one of everything. So you and I are both coming from the same place when it's when it's about food. <laughs> that was amazing. People still mention that to me. They love that. Awesome, awesome. Well, good stuff, man. Appreciate you taking the time on your drive back. Uh, we'll post this uh, probably Sunday or Monday on Penn Live, but appreciate it as always, buddy. Sounds great. My pleasure, Dustin. Glad you're doing well, man. Yeah, thanks. Same to you. Best of luck with everything, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. Uh-huh.